I'm going to start with a confession. If you were to come with me to my house right now, you would witness a style of decorating that my husband describes as the Christmas explosion. <laughs> Every year, right after Thanksgiving, all of my regular knickknacks and things get put away, and out come the holiday versions. The salt and pepper snowmen, the your hand towels, the Donnie Mathis Christmas CD on full reading. <laughs> Every year from November 28th through January 4th, my house is a total Christmas wonderland. And if you couldn't tell from the Johnny Mathis, I get it from my mom. My mom loves Christmas, and she loves to decorate for Christmas. Some of my best memories are watching her put every perfect bulb on the tree, each loop of tinsel perfectly even, and no matter how hard she had to try to stretch each dollar of my dad's modest carpenter salary, it always seemed like there were at least 100 presents under the tree. In our house, everything that could be made perfect for Christmas was. But it wasn't just about the decorations. My mom was serious about Christmas spirit. I remember when you were when my grandmother confessed that my aunt couldn't afford a tree for her family. We were there that weekend with a big beautiful Douglas fir waiting on their doorstep and running away before anyone could see us. Another year it was a family we heard about that couldn't afford groceries, let alone gifts. And we were at their house that very night with two huge hefty bags full of toys and food all tagged from Santa, and I remember my brother hauling up these two giant bags in the middle of the night, dropping them on the doorstep and running away. My dad was so nervous about getting caught that he started to drive off before my brother could get in the car. They had to haul him in with his legs flying around. But that was just how my family did Christmas. Everyone on their best behavior trying to do everything they could to make this season brighter for those around. So it seems almost inevitable now that back in Christmas time, 1988, when my dad's own estranged father called asking to reconnect with him, that it would be my mom who would decide to create for them the perfect family Christmas. You see, my dad's family was the exact opposite of my mom's. My mom was raised in this perfect 1950s suburban household that was like an episode of Leave It to Beaver. Wally and the Bee that had a sassy older sister that went to an all-girls Catholic school. <laughs> but my dad's family was more like an episode of that show, Shameless. <laughs> His dad had left before he was even born, and he'd been raised by an alcoholic mom and a series of stepfathers that ranged from useless to abusive. He'd only met his birth father one time at the age of 16, when he was sent to live with him after his mother had been arrested for the third time. Father turned out to be nothing more than a glorified pimp whose personal claim to fame was winning the very first topless car wash in California. <laughs> Things didn't go well, and my father left as soon as he could, vowing to create the kind of family he had never had. And that's what he did. So decades later, like I said, when his father called asking to reconnect, saying that he was dying of lung cancer, my father actually had very little interest, but it was my mother whose experience of family had been so different convinced him to try. And so he did, and after a few tense visits together, my grandfather happened to mention that it had always been his dream to have a huge family get-together where we'd all come to his house for a big turkey and stuffing and all the trimmings where we could just get together and be a normal family one time. That was something my mom just couldn't resist. Engineering the perfect holiday experience was practically her specialty. So plans were made, and we show up at my grandfather's house early on Christmas Eve morning, because my mother volunteered to help him cook the turkey. 
Only there is no turkey. There is no food at all. He hadn't bothered to shop as he said he would. But it's early and my mother is undeterred. So I, at 14, being one of the oldest girls, am enlisted to go and start the grocery store to shop for everything we need for a perfect Christmas dinner. And after about an hour at the grocery store, we come back to a house in full hysterics. My dad and my grandfather, who had been left to watch all the little kids, are nowhere to be found. My dad's grandfather, Jan, is up at the top of their second floor staircase, just screaming down at all the little kids below, running through the front room, whooping and hollering, covered in feathers, pretending to be Indians. Meanwhile, Janet's five pet birds, the source of all the feathers, are being just as loud as the kids, squawking and flapping, including this one giant African gray parrot that was loud and mean, and it always sat on Janet's shoulder, which I found really weird because Janet herself kind of looked like a bird. <laughs> like if somebody had taken a really skinny old vulture and dressed it up in a pink silk robe and a bad concealed ball. She scared me almost as much as I cared. But once she saw we were back, her and the bird retreated into a room where she locked herself away for the rest of the day, leaving just my mom, my sister, and I to roll up our sleeves and start creating the perfect family Christmas dinner. And as each hour went by, things started to fall further and further from perfect. As I'm helping my mom stuff the turkey, my dad and grandfather come in from the garage where they'd been arguing because my grandfather was trying to convince my dad to loan him just a little money that he was sure he'd pay back very soon. I slice vegetables while I listen to my mother try to soothe my father's anger and convince him that maybe it was for the best, if only for the sake of his two half-sisters, only 10 and 12, who were still living at home. I mashed potatoes while my brother came into the kitchen to show my mom the thin plastic syringe he found hidden in the stereo cabinet while trying to put on Christmas music. Proof that my father's suspicions were correct that my grandfather was still letting drug addicts and other people from his past into his home. I sprinkled those nasty crunchy onions on top of perfectly good green beans. <laughs> And I tried to pretend like I wasn't listening while my grandfather confessed that the reason he wanted to reconcile with my father so badly was that due to his refusal to quit smoking or take care of himself in any meaningful way, his cancer was progressing more quickly than even his doctors had anticipated. And now he was hoping that my father would be willing to take in his two younger sisters and raise them as his own. It seemed impossible to me at that moment that we could sit down together as a family, let alone have a perfect Christmas dinner, but I watched my mother, more determined than ever, throw herself headlong into every final detail. Picture-perfect face settings, cloth napkins folded just so, flatware laid out in precise memory post fashion. Nothing, nothing was going to prevent her from creating the perfect holiday experience in spite of everything falling down around him. And so finally, after five long hours of cooking, after five long hours of adults being too quiet, and kids being too loud, and birds being louder still, everything was finally ready. All the little kids were rounded up and seated at the table, all the adults were back on their best behavior. I remember seeing my mother and father smile at each other as they sat down across from one another. I remember the look of pride on my grandfather's face as he took in this one last picture of a perfect family that he could take with him for the time he had left. 
And I remember watching my mother swell with pride at actually managing the goal of the song. Everything looked amazing, and we were starving. And with the biggest smile you've ever seen, my grandfather reached forward to scoop up a huge spoonful of mashed potatoes. And right then, we all stopped and turned as one. There at the top of the stairs was Janet, whom we'd all frankly forgotten was even up there. <laughs> and before anyone could say a word, the huge African gray hair on her shoulder took flight. Stooping majestically down the long staircase, out over the table, pooping as it went. <laughs> Sometimes the animals in the mix. <laughs> it's then that you realize you can't 